Listener supported. WNYC Studios. The website is seeking arrangement and you're looking for an arrangement. Like when they slip the money in your purse, like that's the arrangement. This is death, sex, and money. I mean, they hired you to do a job and then they try to kill you? No, no. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. And need to talk about more. This dude saw a chance to get paid and he took it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm Anna Sale. A couple of months ago, we got an email from a 22-year-old woman in Toronto. We're calling Lizzie. That's not her real name. But it is the name she uses on a website called Seeking Arrangement. It's a dating site, sort of. It describes itself as a meeting place for mutually beneficial relationships. In practice, it mostly connects older men who have money with attractive young women who need it. It's free for women to sign up, but you have to put pictures up of your your body or your face. The men have to pay like $80 a month to sign up, but they don't have to have any pictures if they don't want. And that kind of like perfectly describes the essence of an arrangement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like their money for our body. And Seeking Arrangement is not subtle about this dynamic. The site calls the moneyed older men sugar daddies. The young women are sugar babies. Did you call them dates? Yeah, I'd call them dates. Like, I call them a daddy date. That's kind of how I describe it. <laughs> Does a date usually mean sex? Um... Maybe half the time. Huh. Um, Can you anticipate when it will mean sex? Yeah, I mean, there are dates that it's, you know, we do date-like activities. We go for dinner, movie, that kind of thing. And there might be the option of hanging out somewhere after alone. Um, and then there are dates that are just, okay, come to this hotel room. <laughs> So you know what's going to happen. So I'm usually prepared for either or. Lizzie says she makes four to $5,000 a month from regular arrangements with three different men. That's a lot more than she makes from her other job as a freelance copywriter. Since joining Seeking Arrangement two years ago, Lizzie says she's had arrangements with around 50 men in total. And each time, the specifics are up for negotiation. Either before we meet at all, or maybe after the first, like, coffee date, then we'll talk about the terms. I like to do it over text just because I'm I'm able to kind of stand my ground more through text huh. than I would in person. Uh-huh. So then we define, like, how often they want to see each other or we're able to see each other. If they want to do a monthly allowance or they want to do pay-per-meet, which we call, like, PPM. Mm-hmm. And we decide on an amount. And how do you, like, set your price? So standard is 300 a date. That's, like, the going rate. I think, like, for, I think in sex work and for, um, like, escorts, I think it, most people ask for 300 Lizzie told me she's putting most of that towards student loans. She owes about $25,000 and has plans to go back to school. But when she joined, she was an undergrad, just looking for spending money. The site offers perks if you sign up with a .edu address. I was actually living 
outside of Canada, and I wasn't working much because I was just studying. I didn't have, like, work rights or work permits, um, and I really needed money. And I was kind of just thinking of ways that I could get money quickly. I initially signed up for, like, a camming website, and I think I spent, like, five minutes on it, um, but I, I'm not someone who really likes being in front of the camera or likes seeing myself on camera. So it was pretty uncomfortable for me, and I just deleted that right away. Uh-huh. Um, and then I joined Seeking Arrangement. I'd heard of it before. And probably within the first three months, I only saw like four people. And I didn't think I was going to keep doing it. But then I just thought, well, why not? Tell me more about the why not. Yeah, well, I remember the first time I kind of had a date that was very just, like, come over, have sex, leave. Um, And he gave me money. And I remember just kind of laughing, like, wow, like, I can't believe I just did that. But also not feeling bad about it in any kind of way. And it's just good money that, I couldn't make doing anything else at that point in my life. So I thought I might as well, as long as I'm still, like, having fun. Prior to getting a Seeking Arrangement profile, had you had much sexual experience? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I started having sex when I was 17, so, like, kind of late, you could say. And then I didn't really have much sex with anyone else until I was almost 20. And then probably within two years, I I gained some experience. Um, that was when Tinder was, like, really popular. It was uh-huh. kind of new, and everyone was just going at it like rabbits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, hooking up with multiple people at once and doing the whole casual dating thing. So when you were using Tinder a lot and then made the transition to seeking arrangement— um, what felt the same and what felt different? Um, it's pretty similar in that you get to, you know, you read their profile, you look at their pictures and kind of see what personality they might have. Um, on Tinder, I was so selective. Like, I would maybe swipe right 1% of the time. But on Seeking Arrangement, it's like 30% of the time. Hmm. Because, you know, I'm not just looking for the hottest guy. I'm looking for a paycheck. Do you browse and look for people and send the first message sometimes? Yeah, I do. Um, I actually, there's, there's like filters that you can use to search people. Um, and I always search the new people. Hmm, why? Well, I like the fact that I might know what I'm doing, whereas they don't know what they're doing, and I can kind of set Ah. the standards and have more kind of power that way. Does this work make you feel powerful? It does, sometimes. Like, when people try to negotiate with me, I feel really small, Mm. and I feel like, ugh, I really don't want to say yes to this low offer, but I just will. I'll whatever, I'll just do it this time. Um, but when I ask for what I want and I get it, then I feel 
powerful. Coming up, Lizzie has practice standing her ground in negotiations, like the time a guy decided he didn't feel like having sex after all and tried to shorter a hundred bucks. I explained it to men like, if you go to a restaurant and you only finish 75% of your steak, you still pay for the whole steak. Gosh, that's like a complicated metaphor to think of yourself as like (laughs) a a piece of meat on a plate. A piece of meat, but the most expensive thing on the menu. Last month, we put out an episode with Iraq War veteran Tom Tran. And afterwards, we heard from a lot of you about the way he talked about his body. As he was returning to civilian life, Tom gained a lot of weight, and he told me he didn't like it. I wouldn't want some fat slob who's been out for 10 years walking around telling people that he was a vet, talking about old glory days like a Bruce Springsteen song. You know, when I heard him say, you know, fat slob a few times, by like the fourth time, I was like physically sort of wincing every time I heard it. Kelly is one of the many listeners we heard from about that moment in the episode. She lives in Vermont and works with veterans. And she says she's used to hearing some pretty colorful language from them. But she said Tom's words felt over the line. This felt a little personal, and I felt like, you know, I have always struggled with my weight. It is one of those battles I think I've always fought and will always fight. And I would not describe myself that way. I would describe myself as fat, but I would not describe myself as being a fat slob. And I think that was part of why I had such a strong reaction. A listener named Matt in Texas, who recently retired from the Army, heard that moment differently. It sounded familiar from his time in the military. There is a lot of derision among those who are overweight. You know, if you are not in shape, you're kind of breaking the social contract, the contract that you have with each other, that you're going to be able to do your job, that you're going to be able to care for each other in in an emergency and in combat and do the things that are required of you. We really like hearing your responses to our episodes. Get in touch by email at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. Reach out on social. And if you're not subscribed already, get our weekly newsletter. Every week, we include your notes about what resonated in recent shows and what you could have done without. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter to subscribe. On the next episode, we check in with some of the people we talked to in our student loan series last year, including Jordan Gibbs, who finally told her parents that she'd been dodging loan payments for a long time. And it just kind of all came out. And my dad was like, he just sank a little bit. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. In Canada, where Lizzie lives, the laws about sex work are clear. It's legal to sell sex, but it's illegal to pay for it. On Seeking Arrangement, though, the line between sex work and dating is admittedly blurry. So the person I've been seeing since November, the sex stuff kind of progressed naturally, as it would like if you were casually dating someone. Um... So now when we hang out, there is kind of the expectation that we will have sex because we've done it before. But um, if I was to say no one night, you know, that would be okay. Huh. So you feel like you can say no with with the guy 
you've been seeing if you're not in yeah, the mood. It, yeah, like it's a lot of the guys, they say they don't want it to be just about the money or just about the sex. They want it to feel more real. So in me saying no sometimes, just kind of, I'm just contributing to the real experience. Hmm. And does this guy, does he pay you at the beginning or the end of the date? The end of the date. <laughs> every t- every time he'll drive me home and like I kiss him goodbye in his car and he slips the money in my purse. Oh, That's it, how it happens. It's like, <laughs> it's trying to be sort of coy about it. Yeah. Um, he, I think he doesn't really want it to feel like a transaction and he kind of wants to forget how we met and just enjoy it for something more real than it is. With some of the men that you're on arrangement dates with, do you ever feel pity? Um, sometimes. Like, I would never, ever, like, I wouldn't pay a penny to have sex. Like, I don't care about sex that much. I wouldn't pay a penny to to go on a date or to have someone hang out with me. Um, so it makes me wonder, like, what is it that they they need or what is it they desire um, for them to to spend this money? But then I also remember that I'm dirt poor and they have lots of money to spend, so maybe it's not even a big deal for them to be doing this. Are you dating... In your private life? Uh, no, not right now. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And finding someone who is okay with it is would be, I think, hard. And even if they say they're okay with it, it's always going to feel kind of complicated. And I just don't need that kind of stress in my life right now. And the free time that I have... I really try to do social things with my friends as much as I can so that I kind of maintain that part of my life and I'm not just going out with old men and talking about, like, Bitcoin or whatever they (laughs) want to talk about (laughs) Um, so that I keep myself young by, like, doing fun things with my friends. self-identify as a sex worker? I do, yeah. I think there are probably women on the site who wouldn't, and there are probably sex workers who might not think I'm a sex worker. But, um, you know, I'm selling my time and my services, and I'm very businesslike in what I'm doing, and I, I, um, I see it as work, and I'm supporting myself. It's more so the men that I meet who have a problem with that language. Ah, uh, because they don't think of themselves. They think of themselves as as that it's a date yeah. where there's a little bit of cash at the end, or there's with 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 a catch. The, there's a lot of men on their profiles. They say no pros, no escorts. What does but that mean? I know because then I message them and they say, "Okay, 
what do you do? And I'm like, well, I work and I'm in school. And they're like, okay, meet me at this hotel room. I'll give you $400. I'm like, so basically you want to do the things an escort does, but you don't want to label it that way or you don't want to have a girl show up who identifies that way. I think it's a lot of like, like the shame associated with um, sex work in general. Or they think they're getting better girls if they're not actually escorts. That they're getting, like, these perfect virgins. It's very weird. Have you ever lied about your sexual history to um, conform to that kind of young, virginal ideal? Yeah. One time, I was actually rejected by a man because I was too experienced. Um. We arranged before. He would pick me up at a subway stop, go to a hotel. We'd hang out for a couple hours, have sex, and I would get $400. Um, we're chatting, and he starts showing me pictures, like naked pictures of the girls he's been with. So at that point, I start telling him my stories. And we're lying in the bed talking and eating from a cheese plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, And he just says, you know what, honey? I'm going to give you the $400. You're going to give me a blowjob, and I'll drive you home. (laughs) At first, I was like, okay. Like, sure. That sounds great. Um, And then he continued and just said that I was too experienced, and he's more interested in girls who have never done this before, and that he can, like, open this world to and I just said, oh, so you're, you're basically, like, saying I'm too much of a whore for you to fuck. You said that? Um, yeah. Then he felt bad. He's like, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean it that way. But, like, when he handed me the money, he kind of, like, tossed it, and it, like, fell over the floor. And I just said, oh, now you're going to throw your money at me? Have you ever felt physically unsafe? Um, not unsafe. I think there's been times when someone has done something to me that, like, hurt more than it should have, or I just wasn't into it. Um, but I never felt like I can't get out of it or I can't just tell them to stop. Um, I'm pretty careful in how and where and when I meet people. So I've never felt like I'm in a dangerous position. Oh, except one time I was driving home with this one guy, and he was driving too fast. I mean, when you're meeting people sometimes just alone in a hotel room, like, aren't there limits to how much you can be careful ahead of time? Like, Um, what you can predict? But I think in a hotel room, at least, like, if I scream and bang on the door, like, a maid or someone would come. But if I'm at someone's private home, it might be actually harder to get away safely. But you still you'll you will go to someone's home if you feel like it like that someone has earned your trust. Yeah. Yeah, if it's someone I've already met and I I feel that they're they're okay then I would do that. Yeah. I sort of like talking to you it's so interesting because we're in the midst um culturally of this like accounting about 
power between men and women and, you know, sorting through how men use power um, inappropriately. Yeah. I, I just wonder, like, you're you're interacting in a world where all of these unspoken things are made explicit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How have you taken all of it in? What do you think about, like, relations between men and women in this moment in 2018 and, and, and power? I think, like, yeah, like, the sex work world allows you to kind of lay everything out and you kind of set up boundaries and you know talking about consent is very important um and you you know you can say yes to whatever you want you could say no to whatever you want for the most part um and i think in the real world or outside of that people are just kind of catching up i've gotten pretty good at saying no and saying yes and talking that stuff through. And I think that's um, happened because of the interactions I have from Seeking Arrangement where that's like an essential part. How many people in your life know about this work that you do? Um, let me see. Very few. I would say... Two of my friends know quite a lot about it, and I don't really mind talking about it in front of them because I don't think they're going to go, you know, call my parents. And when you say, like, I don't think they're going to call my parents, like, when you think about your family and this work, like, what comes up? I think, like, my parents are pretty conservative, like, but they— probably would just worry that I could get in trouble, that I could be unsafe, and that they'd feel that they had led me to that choice because they couldn't, you know, pay for my school. Like, I grew up poor, and they're still, like, pretty, like, working class, like, working poor. Um, They would just feel like they had failed, like, not being able to help me, and I don't want them to feel that way. Um... So that's why I'd rather just they don't know. Why did you email me? Um, well, I guess because there's not really anyone I could tell every little detail to. Even the friends who know what I'm doing, they don't know the whole story. They don't know... The extent of it. Um, so it kind of just feels good to say it out loud. And I just know that there's so many girls doing this. Like in my city, there's probably four, three or 4,000 on the site. Um, and it's way more popular and common than you think. Like now that I'm on it, I can see like daddy dates happening around me. Oh, really? It's They're like you really have- easy. <laughs> They're really easy to spot. And one time, my friend who had been on the site for a little bit, we were having brunch, and there's this man a couple tables over sitting with this young girl. And I looked at my friend. I said, hey, that guy's from Seeking Arrangement, and I've talked to him. And she looked at me and said, so did I. (laughs) 
and there he was on a date right in front of us. <laughs> so it ha- it's everywhere. Just start looking and you'll notice. That's a woman we're calling Lizzie. She's one of the 8 million so-called sugar babies on Seeking Arrangement. She's going back to school to get a master's in the fall and plans to stay on Seeking Arrangement until that degree is also paid off. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Stephanie Joyce, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Angelie Mercado. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale, and you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Death Sex Money. And even though selling sex is legal in Canada, Lizzie told me she's not reporting her seeking arrangement money to the government. Mostly because my mom does my taxes. (laughs) I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. 